afraid, too modest, too blase, too superior, or just simply ignorant. In fact, we live in a society in Britain and Canada and in the United States populated by millions of women who do not even bother about a monthly general medical checkup. This sadly too often means that the tumor on the breast may not be discovered until the cancer has spread to other parts of the body.
Flat Black Plastic on UniRadio.fm. But it used to be it. Well, it used to be that the stockkeepers worked pretty freely with the mechanics and the foreman. We'd kind of stay close to each big job and, well, be kind of a free agent. Be sure the fellas had the material and tools they needed in time to keep the job from being held up. Posley pauses before responding, hoping that Maxwell will carry the ball further himself. This does not happen, however. It's uh, different now? Oh, heck, Mr. Hosley, it's no secret that Burquist has made us a bunch of flunkies just like everybody else in the place. All we do is follow steps one, two, three. We sit in our cages and fill out material orders when the foremen say they want anything. It seems that some rather strong feelings have been tapped. Hosley decides to explore, but cautiously. Tell me a little more, then. I'm not quite with you. It's part of the whole reason why I'm leaving. The individual guy just doesn't count around here anymore. Berkowitz has made us a bunch of payroll numbers, and nobody cares about any of us as persons anymore. On this change in the storekeeper's job, I guess he figures, or somebody figured, that we were wasting too much time by being out on the floor with the men. That isn't the worst part of it. Everything the company has done for the last few months since Berkowitz took over has been to make the employee a working stiff who isn't supposed to do anything unless he's told to. The question now is how much data Maxwell has to support his point. Is this really a well-thought-out observation or a superficial complaint? Could uh, you give me some more examples, Len? Well, like the way we used to order stuff before. All three of us in the pump section could order anything we wanted to up to $500 when we knew the job would need it. Now, before we can order anything, if it isn't in the store catalogs, even if it only costs a nickel, we have to get approval from purchasing. manager of marketing research. Doesn't mean as much as it would here, of course, since it's a pretty small department. But still, I have a lot more to say about how we plan our research projects than I have here at Taplow. Barker notes that this last comment was freely volunteered. That is the fact that Stevens would have more say about things. Is this perhaps significant? To get some expansion, he just restates what Stevens said. You'll have a bigger part in running the show. Right. I guess that's something everybody wants. Barker stays silent. This often produces additional information or show of feeling. At least it's something I'm looking for. Barker has the message pretty clearly now. If Stevens wants to expand on the subject, Barker will cheerfully and understandingly stay with him. But there's no point to Barker's keeping it going, since for his purpose, he's had enough of a picture of Stevens' need for power and authority. I see what you mean. Say, Jack, getting back to Taplow, what did you think about the salary we were paying you here?
then left. Right. Left. Right. Left. Right. Left. Lean head sideways to right shoulder. Try to lean it over as far as you can. Bring it up straight. Lean to left shoulder. Up. Right. Up. Left. Up. Right. Up. Left. Up. Right. Up, left, up. Lift head back. Drop chin to chest. Open the mouth wide. Pucker the lips. Open wide. Pucker. Open wide. Pucker. Open wide. Pucker. Open wide. Pucker the lips. Open wide. Pucker. Open wide. Pucker. Open wide, pucker. Open wide, 
Tucker. Open wide. Tucker. Open wide. Tucker. Tucker the lips. exercises are not guaranteed to produce extreme beauty, but they will add to the youthfulness
hands have been swept clear when it's once more covered with dry leaves.
Flat Black Plastic people, thanks for listening. Support the station. Support your community. Do the right thing. Scopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com. Timstesseract.com. So you want to be a comic? It's not as easy as we make it look. But that's because Mutiny Radio has eight hours a week of open mic stage time for all your comedy workout needs. Strain those improv muscles every Sunday from four to six at Getting Sketchy with David Stolowitz. Press out those new jokes every Monday, six to eight on Joke Workshop. Birds, right? Where on the other hand, geese... Right? They're only crime equally as mean. I know, I just said that. Where'd you get that fine heirloom? What a tomato. Look, man, this isn't a come on. Just tell me where you got that beautiful tomato. What a tomato. No, no, seriously. I actually want to eat a tomato. I love tomatoes. Where did you get that tomato? What a tomato. Dude, it's a fine, beautiful tomato. I want to eat one, too. I want one right now. I like to eat them like an apple with salt. Tell me, where'd you get the tomato? What a tomato. Are you high? Just tell me where I can find a tomato like that. What a tomato. Is this a metaphor? What a tomato produce company in San Francisco. For all your wholesale produce needs... 2055 Jared Avenue. Hope your legs are looking sexy because we're going to charm your pants off. Come to the Charm Offensive Comedy Show at Punchline San Francisco. It's a night of great jokes, magnetic personalities, featuring the Bay Area's most awarded comedians, plus national headliners. You'll laugh. You'll swoon. And when you regain your composure, you'll swipe right. Tuesday, March 7th. Doors at 7, show at 7.30 at 444 Battery Street in San Francisco's Financial District. Brought to you by Paco Romaine and Destiny's Mom's Comedy. Our last show sold out, so get your tickets now at punchlinecomedyclub.com. Charm Offensive at Punchline Comedy San Francisco. Tuesday, March 7th. See you there, sexy. It is high noon on a Tuesday. I mean, what? It's Wednesday. <laughs> it's Wednesday. That's how high I am. I thought it was Tuesday. I missed a day. It's Wednesday. It's the 18th of 18th of I, January. I think so. I think that's right. I think that's right. Uh, you're here on the AltaCast. I'm joined by Arden of the Night Space and also by Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, here bringing it in. Yeah, uh... Oh, actually, you're on four there. Oh, there, there we go. There. Oh, hey, yeah. there we go. That's There's Latoya. Hey, hey your, your hair is still purple. You're still a mermaid. Oh, 
swimming with the fishes. <laughs> Have it, uh, it's it, we could swim outside right now, <laughs> feeling like a fish. Uh, one cool thing that happens on this corner is that when it rains like this, the the um, it floods <laughs> the road right out here, and it's really fun. It's like, you know. Where do the fish? I have this is this is a question. Where, when a lake freezes over, uh-huh. the fish stay. Yes. Mm-hmm. What if the f- lake completely freezes? Then they die. If it completely froze, yeah. they probably die. But then, how do they come back the next year? So what happens is when water freezes. Uh, it hits a critical temperature, and I'm sure somebody in the audience is going to correct me on this, but I think it's about 4 degrees centigrade when it's its densest, and it comes down to the bottom of the lake, and it keeps doing that until the whole lake is about 4 degrees centigrade, and it's only once it hits that temperature that the top begins to freeze. So there's this kind of buffering effect that happens that prevents this kind of middle layer where the fishy live from completely <laughs> freezing. So, uh, so the fish don't die. Yeah. At least that that's what I remember from high school classes no this but here's the thing where uh, i used to go to burning man so black rock city is out there and uh during the summer it's a dry lake bed but during the winter it's a lake but then in the summer you don't see like dead fish bones everywhere so where do the fish go well that must be a dead lake then so it, it just if, fills up with water, just never has any fish. Yeah, unless there's some species that survives in the mud or something, like mud skippers. I don't understand science at all. Uh, here we are on the Alticast. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I'm like, I don't know. Where do the ducks go in winter? Uh, Holden, Caulfield, I, I'd like to know. Uh, here we are with the Drug Policy Alliance Minute. Stop the Jeff Sessions nomination. Uh, he was picked to be the next attorney general, and if confirmed, will bring back militarized Reagan-era drug war tactics and raids on marijuana businesses. Send a message to your senator now. There's a little click link. If you go to Drug Policy Alliance, you can send a message to your senator. How many of you guys ever written your senator? Not today. Once. Once. When I was in a high school. Was it for a school assignment or was it a... No, um, I forgot what it was. It was like when I was living in St. Louis or what have you. So I remember writing to my senator about that. Oh, and I did. Actually, I do remember I re- we wrote our senator about an AIDS quilt when I was in elementary school. Huh. Yeah, that was like in the late 80s, early 90s. Because you wanted an AIDS quilt. Yeah. Yeah, that's when I was in Catholic school. So we were able to like um, contribute to the AIDS quilt that was going on at the time. So wow, Catholics talking about AIDS in, in, in Southwest Missouri at the time. Too. Yeah, this wow. is like ninety, nineteen ninety. That is. No, I I wrote my senator recently about the whole um, Trump inauguration with the. Uh, electoral college and trying to abolish that. I recently wrote a little thing. Uh, Camilla Dave or Camilla Harris. Camilla Harris. Yeah. Oh, well, isn't isn't Nancy Pelosi one of our people? I didn't. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know Skeletor had a sister. <laughs> uh, Camilla Harris is the. <laughs> 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 okay. Sorry, that's a that's actually a drummer comedian Aaron Barrett joke. I should get when he does his George W. Bush voice, and he's like, <laughs> and and I've made some mistakes. Yo, you, you made some mistakes, namely Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> I didn't know Skeletor had a twin sister. <laughs> um, that's, that's, in his, that's in his George W. Bush 
said, uh, yeah, little taquitos. It's Mexican for little tacos. <laughs> See, I wrote that too because originally he said Spanish, and I'm like, oh no, George W. says Mexican. Yes. That's yes. Mexican yeah. for little taco, baby. <laughs> um, science, so talking about science, science once again claims marijuana is medicine in landmark National Academy of Sciences report. Once again, the scientific community has come back with evidence against the Schedule One categorization of marijuana. Yay! Uh, today, the National Academy of Sciences released a comprehensive review of research on marijuana and concluded that marijuana does indeed have medical value. Woo! Is it like a, is it like a Yay! We already knew that for some yeah, dumbass out there. We knew, we knew. But uh, the review concluded one of the therapeutic uses of cannabis and cannabinoids is to treat chronic pain in adults. The committee found evidence to support that patients who were treated with cannabis or cannabinoids were more likely to experience a significant reduction in pain symptoms for adults with multiple sclerosis-related muscle spasms. There was substantial evidence that short-term use of certain oral cannabinoids, man-made cannabinoid-based medications that were orally ingested, improved their reported symptoms. Furthermore, in adults with chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, uh, there was conclusive evidence that certain oral cannabinoids were effective in preventing and treating those ailments. This is not the first time the scientific community has made claims about marijuana as a medicine. The LaGuardia report uh, was commissioned by then mayor of New York, Fiorello LaGuardia, in response to the Marijuana Act of 1937, the Fed's first attempt at controlling marijuana use in the general public. The report confirmed what LaGuardia suspected, that the effects of marijuana did not impact a person's sensibilities or ability to make good decisions, and that it was likely was not as dangerous as Anslinger and his buddies were making it out to be with their reefer madness campaign. The next scientific assessment of marijuana was commissioned by Richard Nixon in the early 70s. The passage of the Controlled Substances Act created drug schedules, a system for classifying drugs based on their medical value and dangerousness. Nixon commissioned the Schaefer Report to study the effects of marijuana and make recommendation as to what the appropriate schedule might be. The report concluded, considering the range of social concerns in contemporary America, marijuana does not, in our considered judgment, rank very high. <laughs> We would de-emphasize marijuana as a problem. The existing social and legal policy is out of proportion to the individual and social harm engendered by the use of the drug. Nixon disregarded the report and marijuana remained a Schedule One drug. I didn't know that came out in the 70s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, yeah. I didn't realize you, that there was a report that said it's, there's nothing wrong with it. And he went, hippie crazy kids. Hippies and Negroes were too busy having a good time and Nixon had to kill that party. Had to kill that party. And arrest them. It's just, it's so crazy to me, this whole Schedule One thing. Schedule One drug means that it's like heroin. It's a rating yep. system. It's a rating system saying that marijuana is bad. And cocaine's number two. And cocaine's a Schedule Two? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> because they still use it in eye surgery. Wait, because it's an analgesic. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, and plus politicians love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you've got hemorrhoids, uh, it's great. You just stick it right on there. You get high and don't feel a thing. Nice. Uh, before I finish this, I said heroin as a Schedule 1. And I wanted to tell you guys a quick story about what happened yesterday uh, in the, in the uh, station here. So uh -oh. it's 4 o'clock. I'm getting ready. It's still a sunny day. I'm going to go pass out a bunch of the beautiful posters for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. 
2017 coming up March 1st through 5th. I'm leaving. I'm excited to leave. I've done all the work here trying to get out of the building. And a guy walks in and he's like, and he smells like, you know, like, you know, so unquestionably how people smell like they're trying not to smell, but you know that they're questionably housed, like you know something's up. Yep. And he's like, oh, this is a radio star. I'm a DJ, I do the rap. And he's white, and I'm like, yeah, sure, you do the rap. Uh, I'm like, I'm getting out of here, though. I got to go, I got to go. And the thing is, I just counted all the money, so I have $1,400 in dues in my bag as he's walking in, and I'm like, fuck, and I hide the money in my backpack. And I don't want to say, hey, man, I got to get out of here. I got to go run, do a bank run, because I'm afraid he might steal my money. Well, I don't know what he's going to do. So... He's here, and I'm like, hey, guy, I got to go. And he goes, oh, hey, before you leave, can I just use your bathroom real quick? And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, don't do it, Pam. Say no. Say you're leaving. Say no. But I don't know what the social pressure is and why I feel it so strongly to be a nice person. I don't know if it's my white guilt, if it's my guilt over having a home, if it's my guilt over living in San Francisco as an artist, whatever it was. And I hang up the brainwash. Whatever. I said yes. So after the first five minutes, I think to myself, he's in there doing the hair on, hair on. He's in there. That's what he's doing because he's being real quiet and I don't hear any poopity poops and I'm not hearing any pee sounds. So I say really loudly, hey guy, I got to get out of here. Dude, bro, wrap it up. No noise, nothing. No, no. Okay. Ten, 10 minutes have elapsed now, and I'm, I'm pacing outside. I'm pacing. I'm fucking like, God damn it, Pamela. You're so stupid. Why, why would you let him do this? Why are you let him in? Yeah, don't do that shit again. So then again, I walk back in. Now after 15 minutes, and I'm like, dude, bro, seriously, I got to go. You got to get out of here. No noise, no noise, no noise. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? Do I bang on the door? I'm like, I don't want to bang on the door. I'm kind of scared of this guy. I'm like, welcome. So I'm like, Arr. So finally I come back in and I get really, really loud. And I'm just like, dude, it is time. You get, it is time now. With that kind of like nanny mom voice of like, you hear that, you hear that I am not pleased. Yeah. I got things to do, buddy. So I kind of stumbles out of the bathroom and I'm like, that's exactly what he was doing. And he tries to pick up a stuff and kind of drops it on the ground a little bit. And I'm like, dude, just get out of here. Okay, can you just be done? And he's fuddling around on the piano. He's got getting he's getting flyers. He's like getting flyers. I'm like, no flyers for you. So we finally left. But clearly, I mean, do I have to put a sign on the door that says don't do heroin in here? No, or you just yeah. gotta be okay. But what do I do? I'm a woman alone in the afternoon and I don't wanna like Hell no. You can't no, use you no can't. pee bath no, no. Yeah, no. no. Hell no. Hell no. This is for safety. You know, by this point it's just like you knew he was kinda shady. I, yeah, I knew he you put your shady radar on. Right. Don't be nice. Fuck people at this point. Yeah. You know, because it's you you never know sometimes and I I like to put my wall up. I don't care if you stink and you look shady. No. I know. I had the money yeah. on me too. I just and wanted to get out of here. Yeah. yeah. There, there's a time of a place, you know, I mean, cause good, you, it's not hard to say, you don't have, you can, it's easy to say no. It's easy to say you no. Know, it's easy to say I no. feel terrible about it. And I, this is another thing I heard this week. I heard a rumor about Mutiny Radio and people were like, well, you know, she's doing that. There's more open mics and that's great and everything. But God, you know, it's kind of like where homeless people hang out. And I'm like, dang it, is that what people... Oh, no. I'm like, it's just on Friday from 3 to 6. It's the Common Thread <laughs> Collective. They're not homeless, they're hippies. It's, you know, they share apples, they bring, like, cinnamon cake. They do, and, and yeah... 
they're wearing weird hats and some of them have feathers sticking in weird old dreadlocks but they're not (laughs) well have have you seen in new york city because the weather's so bad there right now the homeless have taken over whole foods wow because they have those nice big open seating areas where you can grocery shop and then sit and eat with you know other people it's become junkie headquarters where they all go in because the shelters kick them out during the day they can stay at night but they kick them out during the day so cold you can't so they hang out at whole foods and socialize and you know go into the bathroom shoot up come back out and zonk out at a table upscale new york city supermarket has become social club for junkies yep (laughs) three days ago this is amazing this is the new york post and you see like they're just it's not just for foodies anymore shoppers at the bowery whole foods manhattan's largest supermarket can browse craft brews in a beer room choose from an array of artisanal products in the cheese finishing emporium and buy meat and fish from the in-house smoker the walls are adorned with arty photographs paintings and drawings from local artists but on the second floor behind the pricey gluten-free soaps lotions on organic sheets and shoes the rows of tables chairs and benches are often filled with a variety of vagrants substance abusers drug dealers and homeless people are turning the sunny cafe area where shoppers can dine on pulled pork or Vietnamese sandwiches called banh mi, you guys, into their own private social club for the cost of a cup of coffee or nothing at all. During five visits to the store in recent weeks, a reporter saw a modern-day Bowery bum sleeping in the fetal position, another nodding out in an obvious drug-induced haze, and few appeared to be drunk, and one smearing toothpaste on his face and mumbling to himself. (laughs) As the city's homeless population surges and heads indoors in recent wet and cold weathers, retailers, even high-end ones, cannot escape the deluge. The vagrants take full advantage of free wireless and microwave at Whole Foods and relieve themselves in sparkling restroom facilities. They pool their change to buy a beverage at the coffee bar in order to get a receipt with the day's keypad code to the locked restrooms. The problem with homeless people and junkies is frequent, said a Whole Foods cashier while ringing up cave-aged cheese in an assortment of organic produce. (laughs) (laughs) Every once in a while, security will go upstairs and shoo them away. The 71,000 square foot store, 71,000 square foot store, opened in 2007 to much fanfare. The gourmet market, the length of a city block, imposingly sits between Bowery and Christie Streets and employs more than 600 workers. But what once... The province of hip, what is the, what was once the province of hipsters is now a refuge for the city's growing homeless population and others. Last week, one bum in the grocery area picked items from the hot food bar with his fingers and ah. popped them into his mouth. Upstairs, a man reeking of booze drank from a dark bottle and argued with those in the cafe. Another man alternated between panhandling in front of the store and sitting in the cafe talking to himself. <laughs> No one wants to have lunch next to a foul-smelling bum or a drunk or a junk junkie nodding out next to you. It's not very appetizing. At the same time, Whole Foods displaced these people. Oh, wait, this is the same quote. At the same time, Whole Foods displaced these people. These were the originally original Bowery denizens, yeah. said Sean Sweeney, head of the Soho Alliance. Gentrification took the place and displaced them. Where are they supposed to go? The de Blasio administration has not done enough to find shelter for these unfortunate people. The number of almost city shelters city shelters reached a record high last year with others using ATM vestibules or transit hubs like Penn Station as makeshift shelters. The supermarket is particularly attractive to the homeless bunking at the Bowery Mission, which is a block and a half away and requires residents to leave during the day. 
it's true um all the shelters you leave at like 8 30 and you come back and once you're in at 8 30 or whatever you can't leave and yeah. if you want to come in at 11 you have to have a special pass mm -hmm. that says like you have a job or you have a reason to be out yeah. I don't feel sorry for that Whole Foods because if in, if you guys are familiar with the Bowery in New York, that's where CBGBs used to be, oh. what have you, and that's where part of like the punk scene was like in the 70s and the 80s. And so when Mr. Gentry came in in the 90s and changed the whole Bowery, this is what happened. Yeah. And so now you have so many displaced people who like the articles stated who are have been in that area for so long where are they supposed to go the, this is the problem this is the flip side of like oh well mr gentry didn't help the other people these displaced people so this is the effect of what you get and so i think the shit's funny i, I, I think I, it's very funny i think too, it's but... very funny because number one you're in new york so what do you expect and you're buying an apple for 350 do you know what i mean like it's an it's organic not... apple that costs three dollars and fifty cents that's insane or a cup of coffee that's like five bucks or the, something the yeah, only like... thing that's nasty to me is like the whole bathroom situation yeah you know because i do use public restrooms i'm not one of those like oh, i will never use a public toilet but I don't like what you were just describing what happened here yesterday. Now I'm afraid to sit on that. Toilet. Well, and I, <laughs> now that's the thing is I didn't, um, I didn't check it or smell it because I know I didn't poo or whatever, but I came back later and I, it was clean. The bathroom was fine, but I didn't want to look at it at the time because I didn't want to be that person that's like, now look what you did to my bathroom. I'm that kind of person. I just, I'm too <laughs> nice. Uh, it's easy to come here. It's nice and clean and warm and it closes at 11 p.m. So it's open pretty late, which is good, said Adrian Bay, 42, who said he was staying at the mission while working and saving for an apartment. Sam, who was 35 and homeless, said he suspects addicts sometimes use the restroom. I see people come in here and they're straight and they walk with one foot in front of the other into the bathroom and then they come out two minutes later and they pass out, he said. <laughs> I've seen ambulances come because people have passed out after coming uh, out of the bathroom. One Whole Foods employee concurred that drug users are definitely in the building. <laughs> the homeless... The, Elvis is in the building. The homeless problem gets worse in the winter and nothing can be done about it, said the worker at the second floor barbecue food stand. Whole Foods officials declined to comment. You know, that shit probably goes on here, too. Oh, I, I work in customer service. I've got to deal with, you know, the occasional person that walks in who's mentally unhinged or on drugs or whatever it is. Yeah. And, you know, my policy and pretty much the place that I work for is policy is unless they're causing a commotion or disruption. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. Absolutely. Let them do their thing. And most of them actually come in and buy something to right. hang out. Um, but I've, I've had the occasion where somebody comes in and they're causing a problem or being a nuisance and you got to kind of shoo them out. Of the and sort. smell is a nuisance. If you come yeah. in and you yeah. really, really smell, even if you're not causing like a physical, well, you are causing a physical you disorder. Yeah. You're causing a, yeah, you're causing a olfactory, olfactory issue. And, uh, and I feel terrible, but what do you, Not, what do you do? You say, Hey, there's the showers in front of city hall right now. You can absolutely. run down there and you, you take your stank ass over there because not all homeless people stink that is that's not true yeah. it's you know but you know once you crap your pants if you don't wash them within like 30 minutes you can never get that smell the poop smell yeah, out of your pants so you, know, you can't it's like impossible and huh. the thing is like we <laughs> did have, not know that we do have free showers and that's the luxury of like you know living in a place where a lot of those who do are who are displaced have luxury and have that option oh can, you can hear me now yeah um 
have that option here to take a shower, you know, and I... There's I, the lady downtown. It's amazing. She take, took old buses, and she she has, like, four of them now. And she started with one, and she divided the bus in half, and she made two showers inside the bus. And so when you walk up the stairs, there's, like, this little ante room that's closed, and they give you shampoo and soap and everything, and you go, and you take a nice, warm shower. That's awesome. And then there's a little room. It's all private where you get dressed again or whatever, and... She used to, yeah, she used to have one bus, and now she has, like, four or five, and just travels around the city and lets See? people know yeah. and says, hey, free showers. Which Whole Foods do you work at, by the way? Oh, I don't work at Whole Foods. Oh, I, 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 And I won't, sorry, I, I won't mention my employer because, you oh. know, that, that I like working there. I don't want to <laughs> lose my job. I don't know, you know? why. I, I think you said, I, never mind, disregard. Yeah. It's customer service. Customer yeah, service. Yeah, customer service. But uh, I think the, the uh, one of the problems is that uh, everyone gets lumped into the quote-unquote homeless, quote-unquote yeah. crazy category. That's right. true. When we really need to start making the distinctions between, okay, mental health issue Check. needs to be treated, addiction issue Check. where they want to get help, or, uh, falling on hard times, just Check. you know losing right. source of income, things like that. Right. And then going the other side where it's the uh, chronically winding up in criminal problems right and yeah. you right. Know, the people that cause the break-ins up and down harrison street every morning the people that right. steal bikes yeah, yeah. All or any of the thievery and the thieves, problem is thieves into house i think when it comes to government trying to approach these things government's afraid to make those distinctions because then you're highlighting groups within groups and then people feel ostracized and singled out right and so they try and create this panacea and by doing so they either, in San Francisco's case, really don't address the problem at all. Right. Or in New York's problem, they try and address it and wind up uh, becoming the bad guy because they're pushing the homeless to other areas or doing things. Different to, states. Well, yeah. it's, I was recently in New York, and it was crazy. I went to um, one of these high-end four-story uh, supermarkets. It, it was Mario Batali's. Um, <laughs> it's called Italy. And it's oh, everything's yeah. like from Italy, and it's all really cool and artisanal and great, and the focaccia is amazing. Anyways. It was like shoulder to shoulder in there. And I couldn't believe, I'm like, man, if I was questionably housed, this would be the best place to create <laughs> shrinkage. I mean, they couldn't track. You could like open up something and drink it and stand there. It, it, there was so much food and so many people and so many employees and so many people that I could totally imagine a questionably housed person hanging in there all afternoon and being like, no one's going to even notice me. Yeah. And I can eat some, you know, tasty snacks. Well, yeah. I, I had a guy in the store the other day and I, I was watching him because one, he did have an order or two. So you, right. you, you couldn't help but notice he was there, whether you could see him or not. But I, uh, he was just kind of milling. And every time you addressed him, he evaded. Oh. He, he, he wouldn't make eye contact. He just kind of shuffled somewhere else. And it, sure enough, he was trying to make a move to just grab something out of the cold case and walk out with it. Right. But because myself and my uh, shift lead at the time uh, were paying attention to him, he eventually got frustrated and just walked out. Right. He's like, I can't. You're watching me too closely yeah. for me yeah. to steal All right eyes now. on me. Yeah. Ah. Why are you looking at me? Why would you look at me? And that's when yeah. they create a nice disturbance. You say, sir, because you're talking really loudly but, right but now. But we've got another guy who, who's a sweetheart, comes in every day, and we take care of him. Yeah. You know, we give him, you know, something small on the house. Um, because he's a nice guy and, you know, he's not trying to create, create a he's disruption. He's not trying to create trouble. Yeah. yeah. And, and if it's raining. Yeah. Why, not, why not take care of a fellow human being? I totally agree with what you're just uh, talking about, like how, you know, they lump uh, all homeless people as one big group. And the thing, and especially with those who have fallen on hard times, which is happening all over the place. 
um, I watched this documentary a while back um, that was called uh, SF.0. It's okay. Don't, you don't have to go and watch it. I'm not endorsing it. But um, there was a gentleman who he had a, a college degree. He was in his uh, late 50s, and he ended up living in the SROs um, mm. because he lost his job of downsizing he lost his home and what have you and he ended up homeless for a while and then now he's in these sros and so it's stories like that you know that i i i don't feel the government is doing enough to help those in the hard time rather than lump everyone into one big group like you're saying the category just as much as like there's mental health issues and we we in this country don't even discuss that there's just a pill <laughs> you know, so that's another issue. And then there's the assholes. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I do think that we, you know, maybe it's just the PC side of me need to, like, kind of think about panning, putting people into a whole group, I guess. I know I'm guilty of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, painting people, speaking of painting people into a group, I uh, looked up that report, the National Commission on Marijuana and Drug Abuse from 1972. And they actually have profiles of users, the experimental users, the intermittent users, the moderate to heavy users, and the very heavy users of marijuana. I thought it'd be fun to see what very heavy Ooh. users, what yes. they say in 1972. That, that's, me. that's me. I mean, I'm a very heavy user. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, it's, wow, a lot, a lot. Uh, very heavy users. The commission's analysis of frequency, quantity, and duration of marijuana use suggests that the United States is at the present time in a fortunate position. All of the studies available to the commission have indicated that only a minute number of Americans can be designated, designated as very heavy marijuana users. These studies uniformly indicate that chronic, constant intoxication with very potent cannabis preparations is exceedingly rare in this country. <laughs> in the 70s, because I wasn't born yet, bitches. The commission believes that important distinctions must be made between the daily moderate and heavy American marijuana user and the very heavy hashish or charas user. I don't know what charas is in other parts of the world where cannabis is widely cultivated and deeply ingrained. Many of the North African and Asian users do not employ the drug uh, only as an intoxicant in the Western sense. Instead, it is frequently used in folk medicine practice in religious rites and as a work adjunct, particularly in those occupations, which are physically demanding, monotonous, unintellectual, and offer little possibility for advancement. It's so basically like go. farmers and you migrant all be, workers. Migrant workers. Well, be high. Let's be high, of course. In these countries, very heavy use is typically associated with young males from a lower socioeconomic background. Nonetheless, Use is more widespread among all ages, and elderly chronic users are not uncommon. Generally, these very heavy users consume high amounts of very potent preparations continually throughout the day, so they are rarely drug-free. This is, this is me. Uh, these individuals evidence strong psychological dependence on the drug requiring compulsive drug-taking. Clear-cut behavioral changes occur in these extreme cases. The very heavy user tends to lose interest in all activities other than drug use. A common <laughs> element of the behavioral pattern is lethargy and social deterioration. Not surprisingly, these users have been held in low esteem and very heavy use has been subjected to societal disapproval in almost all countries. Really? Hmm. 1972. That's 1972. Yeah. I guess moderate and heavy users... Uh, it's at the moderate and heavy user who on the outside average 33 times a month, now average six and a half cigarettes a day. 
the range was three and a half to eight cigarettes. Oh, they're with marijuana cigarettes. Yeah. I see. I smoke more than that. I mean, I guess, I well, if that's what they're saying that. That's a J a day. It keeps the doctor away. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. No, wow. not at all. Wow. Shit, I wish I had a J right now. I know. You don't have your, you don't have your. Um, I'm out of oil. Thing. Oh, she's out uh, of oil. Fuck. She's out of oil. I'm out of oil. Um, so I'm, I'm just surprised that this, I, the social impact of marijuana use, there's a whole thing here. Um. And I, marijuana and violent crime doesn't uh, exist. <laughs> Has indicated earlier the belief that marijuana causes or leads to the commission of violent or aggressive acts first emerged during the 1930s and became deeply embedded in the public mind. Until recently, however, these beliefs were generally based on the anecdotal case examples of law enforcement authorities, a few clinical observations, and several quasi-experimental studies of selected populations comprised of military offenders, convicted or institutionalized criminals or delinquents, and small groups of college students. Uh, A few efforts were made to compare the incidence of violent or aggressive behavior in representative samples of both user and non-user population. Even in these early observations and investigations, however, no substantial evidence existed of a causal connection between the use of marijuana and the commission of violent or aggressive acts. Indeed, if any relationship was indicated, it was not a positive and direct causal connection, but an inverse or negative statistical correlation. So the higher you got, the less uh, violent you were. Right. Yeah. Duh. Duh. <laughs> like, I'm like, ah, let's, can we just not fight anymore? Like, let's just all get along and smoke a jake. I, I used to get in so many close encounters in bars when I was drunk where, you know, it was like the next morning I wake up and be like, so how close was I to getting my ass beat? Right. You know? And, and ever since I switched the pot, I just stay home. What, you, what would you fight over people? Would you fight over girls or oh, something? Oh, no. You? It was more... Um, People used to like to try and pick fights with friends of mine. Huh. And uh, Beer I, ha- muscles. I, I have this protective side to me where I'm like, no, I won't stand for that. That's not cool. So I'd step in and intercede and wow. bark beer the muscles. other guy down. But yeah. In the bar world, we call those beer muscles. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because as a bartender, I get to see this shit on the, re- well, <laughs> not on the regular, but it's not unusual. And to me, it's just like alcohol is just so fucking dangerous, but sometimes tastes so good. Um, yeah. Where it's just like, you know, of course, you know, people get so intoxicated, they get angry and they don't know how to control themselves. Yeah. And that's why I think more police should smoke pot. Mm. It, well, most we- of them turn out to be alcoholics, but they really should indulge. Uh, In some, the weight of the evidence is that marijuana does not cause violent or aggressive behavior. If anything, marijuana generally serves to inhibit the expression of such behavior. Marijuana-induced relaxation of inhibitions is not ordinarily accompanied by an exaggeration of aggressive tendencies. No evidence exists that marijuana use will cause or lead to the commission of violent or aggressive behavior by the large majority of psychologically and socially mature individuals in the general population. Thank you, 1972, for coming back and telling us what we already knew. Now, maybe if Jeff Sessions will read that. Right? I mean, maybe we should um, send it to him in the mail or something. Um, This is so we've been... We've been flying all over the place, but we're still on the drug policy minute. We're almost done. You guys are listening to the AltaCast here on MutinyRadio.fm. After this uh, drug policy minutes, we'll we'll take a little break. I think I might have some marijuana in my bag. Uh, we'll we'll I work know it I out. I have some. 
Uh, as the use of marijuana for medical purposes began to gain favor in the U.S., the Institute of Medicine decided to weigh in with a comprehensive review in 1999. This was not the first time the IOM had weighed in on the potential therapeutic benefits of marijuana. A 1982 report concluded cannabis and its derivatives have shown promise in the treatment of a variety of disorders. The evidence is most impressive in glaucoma, where the mechanism of actions appears to be different from the standard in drugs. In asthma, where the approach isoprotonol ineffectiveness, and wow, they're saying that marijuana is good for asthma? I did not yeah. know that. And uh, apparently it's as close as a uh, 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 current pharmaceutical available uh, that's compound. crazy I did not know that and then the nausea and vomiting of cancer chemotherapy where they compare favorably with phenothazolines smaller trials have suggested can suggested cannabis might also be useful in seizures spasticity and other nervous system disorders both reports from the institute of medicine were discounted in the political realm we have a phone call Phone call, phone call. Today's marijuana landscape in the United States is vastly different from the one in 1999. Currently, 28 states have medical marijuana laws, and 16 additional states have CBD laws. Yet last summer, the DEA announced that it would not reschedule marijuana, leaving it with the definition of having no medical value. Once again, the scientific com community has come back with evidence against the Schedule One categorization of marijuana. Like the reports that came before it, the NAS report explicitly calls out marijuana's Schedule One status as a barrier that impedes the advance advancement of cannabis in cannabinoid research. Science has spoken again. Politicians have a choice. They can continue to ignore the, ignore, ignore the evidence brought forth by the scientific community, or they can reevaluate how marijuana is regulated at the federal level. The people are waiting for an answer. This was written by Amanda Ryman, who is the manager of Marijuana Law and Policy at the Drug Policy Alliance. Wow. Here, Drug Policy Alliance. Uh, like them. It, it sounds like Sweet Gail on the phone. You can put her on if you want. We can put her on. We'll put, we'll put you on the air here. There you wow, go. I we're, didn't know. We're, we're getting so sweet gale in. The asthma, would that be, would they use like some kind of tincture or something? With the I wonder if you would smoke it and it would, you know, deliver, you would affect, yeah, so hit the button and hang up the phone. And then. That's fascinating. And then we can that. hear her if you bring up the blue one. There we go. There's I'm sweet gale. All, bring it all the way up. Yes. Hey, Gail. Put me on the air. You're on the air, Gail. You're on the altar. Is that you, Pammy? It is. I tell you, did you hear that guy? I think Stephen Colbert, he, he made up a new Christmas song. It's, but it's January it, it was 18th. It something about Christmas is now, Christmas is now. So I was thinking, well, I got to make myself up a Christmas song. <laughs> so I came up with one, because I like this one. Christmas is full of Fs, fruitcake, family and friends, and a lot of old fucks. That's what they say. Christmas is full of Fs, fruitcake, family and friends, and a bunch of fucks. And fuck you, an old fucking fucking shit. There you see, there's my Christmas song. Doesn't that want to make you all warm and snuggly? It is super warm and snuggly. What did you do for Christmas this year, uh, Gail? I periodically pop my pain pills because I'm on heavy-duty pain medication, which does help me, but I'm still in screaming pain. <laughs> wow. I mean, just imagine if I was one of those people that actually enjoyed pain, because I heard there's some people like that. They actually like to inflict 
pain on their body, and they get some kind of gratification from that. Imagine if I was one of those people. I would have all this built-in pain and enjoyment. Those are called CEOs. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm one of those people that are trying to get rid of it. Loop me, loop me, loop me. So, uh, Gail, what's your, uh, what, what's your favorite music to listen to? My favorite what? Music. What's your favorite, like, band? Oh, man, I like that old stuff, Pretty Woman. And Roy Bad, Orbison, Bad Roy right. Brown, we'll, we'll play some and Roy that Orbison. one that Elvis says, "Hunka, hunka, hunka, bird in love." You know, I like the old stuff, the new stuff. Uh, you like the dustest? I don't know. I, it's just a lot of noise to me, banging around and noise and and a lot of screaming and crap. Wait, what new stuff are you listening to? <laughs> what? I said, what? I what new like stuff? What old. new stuff are you listening to? Me? Uh huh. Said, well, you said all no, the banging he, stuff around, cause. Uh, oh, Jerry Lee Lewis. That was banging around. <laughs> yeah, but at least when he's saying something, you can figure out what he was saying. Right. Well, we're gonna play some Roy Orbison for you. You gonna play Pretty Woman? We're gonna play Pretty Woman. We are. Yeah, I mean, that, how many years old is that? And it's still better than a lot of this new shit that's out. Well, he's dead, so he doesn't have any new shit out. Of course he's dead. Well, I'm trying to figure out why these people embrace all this noise, and it makes no sense to me. You yeah, I, I, it doesn't make sense to me either. I'm still uh, working on Justin Bieber. <laughs> well, he's ridiculous. Well, we're going to listen to some Pretty Woman uh, here for Sweet Gale. Well, that's Gale. why I say I'm ridiculous enough to make money in showbiz. I got to go because someone knocking on my door. Okay, have a good day, guys.
Thank you, Sweet Gail, for having us listen to some Roy Orbison. Some old school, uh, cool shits. Old, real dusty. Oh, dusty. Now, this is exciting stuff. And um, I was talking with, I think it was Anna. No, it was on Monday with Alyssa Westerlund on Good News with Alyssa Westerlund. She said, I wish that we could just, everyone in jail for marijuana could just be let go. And, uh, you know, Barack Obama actually has uh, pardoned and given clemency to 273 more individuals. So Obama last year said that there were like 6,000 cases that they wanted clemency for. And he was like, I'm going to work as hard as I can. And he's done like... I think like 1,800 now. Some really great, wonderful yeah. number, but now we're up to, I'm sure they'll tell us in this. Uh, but this goes out to you, Alyssa Westerland, because uh, this is so funny. It was even, this came out yesterday, so you were on the 16th, so your wish was granted. You said you wanted yes. Barack Obama to grant clemency, and he did. Uh, advocates will push next administration on sentencing reform. Gratitude for Obama's actions put thousands, but thousands remain behind bars. Today, President, this is yesterday. Today, yesterday, President Barack Obama commuted the sentences of 209 people incarcerated in federal prison and handed out 64 pardons. This brings the number of prisoners who have been granted clemency under Obama to 1,597. Yay! So his goal, I think, was 1,800, but he's really close. And I'm, thank you, Obama. The commutations and pardons uh, represented the Obama's administration's push to overhaul the criminal justice system, system, making it fairer while saving the government money. President Obama has been pushed to do more to release those serving time in prison under harsh drug laws that have imprisoned an enormous amount of individuals. Just last week, President Obama wrote an article in the Harvard Law Review outlining his administration's work on criminal justice reform. These could possibly be his last round of commutations. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Latoya. What were you going to say? Oh, no, I was just saying, yay. Yay, yeah. That's all. Uh, Please continue. Yeah, uh, I'm excited about his uh, I know Chelsea Obama writing for Harvard. Uh, yep. So we are grateful for President's actions, but his new Congress must now step up to the plate on sentencing reform, said Michael Collins, Deputy Director of National Affairs at the Drug Policy Alliance. There are still thousands of people in prison serving unfair sentences for drug offenses, and we need to fix that. Advocates fear that Donald Trump will take a tougher approach to criminal justice, but were heartened when House Speaker Paul Ryan and Senate Judiciary Chair Chuck Grassley, a Republican from Iowa, is IA Iowa, Iowa. recently committed to moving sentencing reform in this Congress. There are thousands of people in prison who should be also be granted their freedom by President Obama, said Tony Papa, media relation manager for the Drug Policy Alliance, who was granted clemency in New York State in 1997 after serving 12 years under the Rockefeller drug laws for a first-time nonviolent drug offense. Papa, who wow. recently received a pardon from the state of New York, just released his new book, This Side of Freedom, Life After Clemency, which highlights the roadblocks he faced after he was released. I am praying that Obama grants every single one of them clemency before he leaves office so they can have a second chance with their lives. Yeah, he uh, granted uh, Chelsea Manning and Oscar Lopez Rivera. Uh, Oscar Lopez Rivera was uh, part of the the people who wanted the Puerto Rican independence. And he had been jailed since 1981. And there was also Chelsea uh, Manning. 
and some people might know her. She was um, one of the officers that kind of uh, turned a little dirty secret about uh, how the American military was actually killing uh, civilians. Ooh. Um, and she, I think she posted it on WikiLeaks or what have you. Yeah, Do that, I have that she right? was she was the first person to be held up for the Wiki, WikiLeaks type. Dump. Did they yeah. call that treason? What did they call it? That's, they did that's call it treason. treason. Yeah. yeah, and you know, you can be executed for that. Right, summarily scary. executed by hanging. Actually, wow, by hanging, yeah, by hanging. That's a terrible way to go. Yeah, but but I guess quick. But I think one of the reasons why she, you know, got her case overturned was the fact that mattered we were killing civilians right yeah. right it right. was our dirty laundry coming out yeah well it, it wasn't that uh she's still guilty because she, right. her, her sentence was commuted but, commuted excuse me yeah she uh she served seven of 35 years of her sentence so uh you know she's still guilty in the eyes of uh the american people and also the government but uh, at least she's out now yeah because she, I don't think she was doing well in prison. I think, no. I, I think she she had a lot of prob- health problems going on, uh, partly because of the transition and partly just being in jail. Yeah. I don't think anybody does well in prison. I mean, no. I I mean maybe Martha Stewart Martha, was the I only was one who turned Martha it around. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's the thing but, is, but she's, Martha, hers is different. Her her jail is different anyway because she was a rich person and they took care of her and. Well, no, she, she also would. started hanging with Snoop Dogg, so Except she's figured out how to mellow out, that. you know? It, I was just right. getting ready to say that. Like, They're going to do a cooking show together. They already did. Oh, they did it already? It, yeah, it was actually pretty funny. Really? I, I heard it must have been hilarious. Yeah, I was. it was pretty funny. I watched a couple episodes. Yeah, so I would say Martha Stewart, yeah, because she's everybody, now everybody likes Martha. Yeah. Martha I mean, and Snoop's potluck dinner party. Yeah. Yep. Pot yep. luck. Pot luck. Watch pot. full episodes on VH1. Uh, they've got Snoop adds hood flavor to Martha's gingerbread house and <laughs> go sweet or savory with these holiday dishes. I think that we need to look this up on YouTube and we need to check one of these. <laughs> oh, motherfuckers, out. I, I watched them on Ellen and it was a stitch because, you know, they come out and Ellen said something about something being sticky. And Snoop said, my fingers are still sticky from backstage. And Martha goes, Snoop, you can't talk like that now. And uh, here we, I was we even have the, we'll, we'll even, we'll, we'll yeah, play we'll, the clip because we'll, it exists. Martha Stewart and Snoop Jog share a taste of their new show on Ellen. Good times. We're moving uh, to the lighter note of the show. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. Well, I, I got to tell you, I love Snoop Dogg. Did and I love Martha Stewart. Like, I, there couldn't be two people that I'd want to see more of. So, Martha has been here uh, recently. You've not been here in nine years since you've it's been, been here. It's been that long? Yeah, nine years. I don't know what happened. Oh. How come? I don't know. You were with my mother last time, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What a lady. Yeah. She, what a, <laughs> she said, what a man. Um, <laughs> You were, since, since you've been here, you were Snoop Dogg when you were here, yeah. then you became Snoop Lion, uh-huh. as Snoop Adelic, uh, uh-huh. Snoop Zilla, uh-huh. and now you're back to Snoop Dogg? I found my way back home. All right, all right. <laughs> Snoop Zilla. Yeah. What are you making? What kind of cocktail? This is called the laid back, and what it is, it's uh, a <laughs> Tangeray tin uh-huh. mixed with some Ciroc apple a little bit of club soda, and then we have an ice ball that Martha's going to start, you know. I like making ice balls for yeah. my drinks. Uh, she you ever made one? I don't know what an I ice ball I never knew what an ice ball oh, was This either. is very heavy, this Oh, thing. man. It's amazing so, when she makes these so. balls come out. 
No, that just, no, the, the weight of this just, it reduces that square of ice to the most perfect ball. Wait till you see. Really? The yeah. I've never ice. known it. I can see it's melting already. Yeah, it melts yeah. it. It's okay, so we're making a ball right now, and yeah. in the meantime. In the meantime, in between time, I'm going to do this thing. Wait a minute, hold on, where's my little mixer at? Right there, right there, that little glass thing. This right here? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Martha and Snoop are fucking. See, Martha has to always correct me in the kitchen because she's my teacher. She's teaching me how to so learn. So this is Jen and that's Teaching vodka? me how to learn. <laughs> she's teaching me how to learn. Hey, you know we do this. Better than one. And what? What's that? Club soda. A little oh, bit of clitting up because you know we may be in the club later. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then you put a little bit of that is an apple. Pineapple, that is. Uh-huh. Not a regular apple. No. And then, no, 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 not regular. And then how do I shake it, Martha? There's Talk the to top me. right there. This is the top? Yeah. This goes on there? Yeah, that goes on there. Hey. Okay, now shake. This is all your bling, Martha. It is. Yeah, Snoop has his bling around his neck, you know, and I have my bling in the kitchen. This is yeah. bling. That's bling. Oh, I'm like shooting dice now. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Once you get it nicely mm. mixed, you take the top and put it back over there. You make a nice glass for your first guest. Look. Wow, look at that. It's a beautiful little ice so ball. So the heaviness or is there heat in there as no, well? No, no heat. Just, just the heaviness and the kind of metal it is just melts that square. So you make one, Andy's trying to move us along, but it makes one ball at a time. Yeah, so one at a time. You just have to make a lot of square ball, squares and then how's, mm -hmm. how's it taste? I need my ball. Give me a okay. ball. Oh, here. Thanks, Martha. There. That I is you, actually too good because you wouldn't know there's mm. alcohol in it. Right? You drink I that would. Real, you'd right? drink that real fast. <laughs> hey, we usually have a toast. Too. We have um, to have a toast oh, yes. to the All boogie. Right. To success and nothing less. We back on Allen. <laughs> <laughs> So this is fun. This is, um, we wanted to... What are they going to make now? The kinds of things we cook on the show. Not simple all the time. This no. is gnocchi. Oh, they're going to make gnocchi. gnocchi. Yeah. Do you like gnocchi? Oh, yeah, I love it. Do you know how to spell okay. it? Uh, Y-N-O-K-I. <laughs> <laughs> no. That sounds like some Hawaiian. All right. So here's a little piece for you, Ellen. Put Big. some flour down, and, and bench flour, we call it. And roll that into roll a little piece of that into a snake. You can use that as your cutter. Here, Snoop. Uh, she, this is too easy. We're gonna we're gonna yeah. we're gonna stop this. But we're gonna look for another. I want to see, I want to see, I want to see their actual show. Uh, Snoop <laughs> makes mashed potatoes with Martha. There you go. Uh, the game of things with Miley Cyrus, Martha Stewart, and Snoop Dogg. What is going on? Yeah, it's being. That's quiet. Ellen. It was Ellen being oh. cute. I see. I see. I see. Um, actually, I think that this one is actually from the actual Martha Stewart show, and he he's on there with. I I find this fascinating that the two of them are now like a thing. Here here's Snoop Dogg again. again. Uh -huh. um, the potatoes have been boiled. Here, I've never done it with a machine. Yeah, that, well it's easy. So how do you do it with a? Yeah, we in the hood. We like. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so just peel the potatoes. Oh, this is from uh, back you can peel them with your fingers. Wow. They've been friends forever. Yeah. No, this one. This one needs to be peeled. See. Like this. Just take the peels off. Peel. Like making fresh fries. The skin. We make fries. <laughs> She's That's yelling cool. at him like no, my no, mom no, would no, yell no, at no, me. Just the skin. Just, just the skin. Look. This. You just peel the skin off. Oh, see? you want me to take the skins in yeah, off of it? The skins in. Whatever. Potato chip wrapping. Okay. So you have a you have your own vocabulary. Now you are really responsible for your vocabulary, right? You are the inventor of it. Yeah, so much, so much. Okay. And does everybody understand you? I mean, do your kids you know, understand you? No, they don't. <laughs> 
And, and you know what's crazy, Martha? What? I don't even understand it, so that's oh. the great part about it. <laughs> you just have fun with it. I just it. have fun talking. And so uh, you have a new album coming out yes, or, uh, uh, for Christmas, right? Yeah, I put out Oh, so like, are you going to sing like traditional Christmas? Oh, no. Oh, no? Santa Claus. I got songs like Santa Claus Go Straight to the Ghetto. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So this is this is going to be a wrap. Look a at him peel this album. potato. He's like daintily peeling, like okay, yeah. tiny little Quite bits. Different. Yeah, he, he's okay, not so using that, a potato okay. peeler. Perfect. He's using his fingers. See, he's a he's a perfectionist. Now, you know that. In there, and we'll just mash, mash those up and put the whole stick of butter. The whole thing. Yeah, we love butter. Don't you love is butter? This bar, is this parquet or margarine? No, no, this is butter. This is butter? Real butter. I used to like that commercial. Unsalted butter, and look. Parquet. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we like, we, I use real butter. I don't, I don't use uh, parquet. Is that butter, too? No, this is cream cheese. How, Can I get a little and cream cheese, she does it right. How high is Snoop Dogg? Oh, 11. Hi. Out of 10. As fuck. Yeah. And I put cream cheese in my mashed potatoes too, Martha. Ditto. This Really? Ditto. Absolutely. Ditto. You just have to watch. You have to put enough salt because sometimes it, it blends it out too much. This is one of my favorite clips ever of Martha. It's when she got out of prison and um, David Spade came on and she taught him how to do things with prison stuff like like one of the things is Commissary making food right right but making prison nachos like how do you oh make God. a greater this is it was great and i have never seen this this one. this one is great this is martha stewart davis Bay. well please welcome my alter ego the very very funny david spade <laughs> Dragon, a fluffy dog. Everyone in the audience is wearing like the ponchos that her inmate knit for her too. Well, David, welcome. I see you have your ankle bracelet, yeah. your poncho, and uh, poor little Francesca. Yeah. You're holding her by the ear. Hey, say hello to my little friend. <laughs> well, you're not going to need Super that. Good right here. You're not going to need that ankle bracelet any longer. Can you just? All right, let's get up there. That's not there. I just want to show you my clogs. <laughs> David likes the clogs. Yeah. I think he's going to adopt them. I'm getting every color. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is uh, Francesca and this is uh, Paprika. <laughs> her, her dogs are named Chinchin and Papa. Just, they're friends. Well, well you know, I, I, was, I, I really sort of enjoyed watching the skit. You, you made fun of a very serious thing, you know. Yeah, I got a little scruffy in there. Yeah, I know. Sorry about that. But I thought uh, I thought you uh, played me very well. All in good fun. And yeah. my my DVD is almost worn out from showing it. I, I, I show it to everybody who comes for dinner because I so think it's do so I. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there wasn't there wasn't the thing. Dang it! Um, I was hoping that you guys would be able to see that. Well, I love David Spade, and I and I love I love that Martha's back. Uh, Her prison was like more of like a nice uh country club or camp though right i i don't high-end prison probably i mean I okay think, so i think they had tennis courts have you yeah. <laughs> they have tennis courts have you seen orange is the new black Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the last season where they left us off, we have the Martha Stewart-esque character, but it's like Martha Stewart meets Paula Dean, right? Yeah. Oh, and she's that. had the ecstasy, and she's like, and now she's like, I'm stuck in the prison now. Um, but I'm sure it was similar to that, right? Where no. she was in a real prison, 
but it was like, I'm motherfucking Martha Stewart. Like, I'm, you get me, I want, you, you know, like, she couldn't have eaten regular prison oh, food. Oh, no, no, I she definitely I can't yeah. imagine no, that. No, no, she had decent food. I, I think there there are pictures of her in prison on the internet. Yeah. Well, let's look those up. Yeah. I, I'm so glad that you guys are also interested. I mean, I think, I can't believe that she's, do you know she's 71? Really? She's, she she's, looks good. She's like she looks really Dick good. Clark, the new Dick Clark, she never ages. I mean, well, Dick Clark did after that stroke. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, you but, know, yeah. that was a quick decline. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel for the guy. He, he, he truly was an icon. Yeah. And now look. Well, he's dead. Sorry. Uh, Martha Stewart. Well, so this is funny, too. Um, when Martha Stewart was indicted, I um, actually dressed as, for Halloween, I dressed up as Martha Stewart in prison, and I wore, like, a jumpsuit. And I, That was the um, hot outfit that year. Yeah. Well, then, <laughs> Martha Stewart living, decorating small spaces, irresistible recipes with bread and water. <laughs> <laughs> and crafts, ideas with silver bracelets. Um, I looked up Martha Stewart in jail, and I, and I don't, uh, I'm not seeing... Aww. Real pictures oh, of her. No, that 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 blue cell looks. Oh, that's not real. Martha Stewart prison cell picture. This is a joke. This nah, has got to be yeah, a joke. That, that, now I can. It, when yeah. it was small, it looked more realistic. Right now, there's Martha Stewart cooking with her thing. I, I mean, I just. She really. She she's a person who she went to jail and, and it didn't it didn't affect her that much after with her and I think it actually helped her. I I think it helped her. It do, it totally helped her with her cool status. Yeah. It totally did. You know. Usually she's like one of the first people I can remember like getting out of jail and not feeling like like shit. She's just like, yeah, I went to jail, but I'm gonna continue with my show. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then I'm gonna hang out with some real niggas. Right. Ah. Well, now. And and her and her her cookbooks are pretty amazing. I mean, I have a bunch of them. So. Uh, is 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 that the only person you ever person a out of prison? Pam, is it, what out is of prison? That, is that your only favorite person out of prison? Yeah, I really don't have any other. I, I, let's see, maybe Nelson Mandela. He was pretty yeah. cool, right? Yeah. Oh he was yeah, pretty cool when he got out of prison. How dare us not mention him? Right. Well, <laughs> and it was. Um, did anybody do anything special for Martin Luther King Day on 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 a uh, Monday? I oh. uh, no, I, I was black. I worked. <laughs> I was black. I was black. That's all. Is that what you did for? That's what you did for Martin Luther King Day. You were black. I was black. Yeah. And nothing happened. So that's a good thing. So that was a good this, MLK day. This is. Uh, we found. I found this. Take a tour of America's cushiest prison. Uh, nobody wants to go to prison, but following the recent sentencing of Rajat Gupta for insider trading, we wondered where white-collar criminals would go if they had to. In choosing America's fanciest prison, we considered whether they had high-profile nonviolent inmates and what kind of amenities they offer. Federal prison camp in Alderson, West Virginia, is our pick. This is the women's prison where Martha Stewart spent five months in 2004 and 2005, other famous inmates have gone there too. They got to enjoy yoga and other luxuries other uh, inmates in other prisons don't have. Uh, the 159-acre minimum security prison camp is nestled in the scenic hills near Greenbrier State Forest on the bank of the Greenbrier River. The small town of Alderson, West Virginia is located east across the river want to see more the, the, oh here we go there all the the Greenbriars where uh, the president goes to play golf and uh, there's uh, the emergency nuclear bunker under the hotel there wow what? the main entrance to F uh, 
PC Alderson. It says uh, the Department of Justice, Bureau of Prisons, blah, 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 authorized traffic only. It's actually kind of a pretty little gate. It's really nice. Built in 1928, the prison is actually the first federal prison for women. The prison camp follows a reformatory model in which cottages are built around unfenced grounds. The low security prison had one famous escapee. Um, and it says, source Paula Johnson, Inner Lives, Voices of African American Women. Oh, that's in prison. an ad. Oh, that's an Ah, I see. Uh, Lynette Squeaky Fromm was sentenced to life in prison after her attempt to assassinate President Gerald Ford in 1975. She escaped Alderson in 1987, but was recaptured two days later and was ultimately re- released in 2009. So here, here uh, more and more I want to know about this cushy prison. Oh, this is nice. Class taught in the 1930s. There's a picture of ladies learning. <laughs> During her time at Alderson, Fromm had access to a wide range of educational courses from GED classes to college classes to vocational training. The prison also had a number of recreational classes. Yoga, which Martha Stewart reported, reportedly started, fitness, aerobics, cosmetology, and stress relief. There's Martha. Martha was sentenced to five months in prison after she was found guilty of insider trading, which everybody does, by the way. She told the Washington Post that her daily interactions with staff and fellow inmates here at Alderson are marked by fair treatment and mutual respect. Fans sent her more than 15,000 emails her first month there. I wrote her an email. Really? (laughs) A typical prison cell at FCP Alderson. It doesn't look that cushy. I mean, it's a bunk and a bunk and a little area and a... There's a window. All inmates have access to email at five cents per minute, a common area, television room, and library. There's also an electronic library, law library, a hospital, a chapel, and an education building. It doesn't look that good. Well, that's pretty. FCP's Alderson's main building. When she wasn't getting fan mail, Stewart did maintenance, including scrubbing floors and cleaning offices. All inmates must hold jobs at the prison unless they have a medical condition which prohibits most inmates. You can hear me? The grounds within the complex. And when they're not working, they can wander the grounds. Okay, Inmates are allowed to exit the buildings after the morning count, but must sign out and specify where they are going, and they have to return to their dorms by 4 p.m. I guess normal prisons are not allowed to walk around. During this, this, this sounds like boarding school. There's a picture of a sewing course in the 30s and 40s at Alderson. Like, like I'm pretty waspy, and this sounds like my yeah. middle school. Right? Yeah. In the 30s and 40s, sewing was part of the vocational training program, and during that era, the prison had perhaps its most famous inmate. I wanted to be Marilyn Monroe. Did she go to that? Billie Holiday, the jazz singer and songwriter, served time in the 1940s for drug possession. What? Uh, okay, so there we go. That, that was the America's cushiest uh, heroin, prison. Heroin, by the way. Heroin. She was, it was heroin. It was heroin. That's how she could sing so well. Uh, so we'll do well one last Martha thing here. This is this is their this is their tr- super trailer. I can't believe I haven't seen this yet, and it premiered November seventh. Yeah. I can't believe I didn't know this existed well, until well, now. It's on VH1. It's easy to miss. It's yeah. Well, and I don't have a TV anyway, so. Welcome. I'm you are cordially invited. Free cheese pizza with spinach and mint and a topping of delectable black truffles. 
It sounds delightful. So delicious. <laughs> Just to clarify, I'm not high right now. But whoever gave us this show, they must have been. There's like cheerleaders in the background. Oh, I got this guitar. Martha and Snoop's hot luck dinner party. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna start throwing dishes unless we get going. Yeah. Well, let's go then. You're sexy. You yeah, amazing. I'm kind of letting you um, take the train on that one, Luke. I'm a good talker. But you just well, bring up what you want to know, baby. and I um, will respond. This is the weirdest group of people ever on a stage together. <laughs> I make fried chicken a wee bit better than Snoop. Oh, Snoop, look at this. Oh, wow, look at this. It's a piece of weave in there. I want to check this microphone. Martha, let me try that again. I want to add the truffle topping. It's like a mushroom. It's like a mushroom. Do it do what mushrooms do? Because if it is, I'm a fan of truffles now. You can grate these. <laughs> Thinks of you every time. That's, that's, or when uh, she gets her period. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been doing I, a I, terrible. I, I, I've, I've ridden the dragon too. before. Is that what it's called? I don't know. I just, I, that was off the top You've of got, head. You, in other words, we call it, you got your red wings. Oh. I, oh, I just, oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> I learned that in high school. <laughs> I, I just I haven't had sex in so long. I don't even remember what it's like. What's that? I, I, it's, been, it's been I I don't even well that's so funny. The, I think the my last mommy time, and daddy do it. The last time I had sex, I was blackout drunk, and that's the only oh, time I've had it in this new year. So in this new year, the only time I've had sex, I don't remember it. Wow. Listeners, so, we don't we don't want you to have blackout. Well, drugs it then. wasn't my fault. Um, <laughs> It, it was, was the alcohol I, No, I didn't know that the, uh, the second was a Monday, and so it was 